one of the uh, opposing networks, you know, the enemy, the enemy of the people, I call them. Yes, that is what you call them, Mr. President. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From the Great Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans. Uh, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream for your listening convenience on the internets every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, amongst many other fine affiliates that I do hope you will support. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us. All right, before we get to anything else, and we've got a lot to get to today, a quick reminder for folks in Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, Washington State, and, oh yes, Ohio, Tuesday, August 7th this week is Election Day. Statewide uh, primary elections in Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, and Washington. And as we noted last week, in Ohio, specifically just outside of uh, Columbus, Ohio, there is a U.S. House special election in Ohio's 12th congressional district. This is not a primary. This is the actual election with Democrat Danny O'Connor believed to be in a dead heat now with Republican Troy Balderson and what had uh, been for many, many years a very Republican district, but which could it went to Donald Trump by about 10 points in 2016, went to the uh, Republican uh, co- Congress member for by much higher numbers than that over uh, election after election over the uh, past few years. But this could, if everyone turns out, it could flip to a democratically controlled U.S. House seat. Right after Tuesday's election, which is why Donald Trump was out in Ohio over the weekend to rally for Balderson, who could be in big trouble. So please make sure you are registered to vote and that you turn out to vote on Tuesday in your um, if you're near Columbus, Ohio or anywhere in the states of Missouri, Michigan, Kansas and Washington state, though Washington votes by mail for the most part. So hopefully you have already voted there this All should be considered good practice for November 6th and uh, give you a chance to make sure you are registered to vote just as you think you are. No matter where you live. 
on uh, deck, by the way, for this weekend uh, that uh, we have uh, Hawaii has their primary. Uh, that is on Saturday, August 11. So the folks within uh, earshot of my voice out there in Maui uh, at uh, KAKU, I hope you guys are ready to go on Saturday. And then next Tuesday, voters in Connecticut, Minnesota, the great AM 950 KTNF, uh, Vermont and Wisconsin will all hold primaries next Tuesday. So don't miss those if you live in one of those states either. There's your heads up for August 14. Uh, and speaking of Vermont, the wildly popular Bernie Sanders is running for reelection as Vermont's independent senator this year. His uh, 2016 writer and um, senior writer and editor Richard R.J. Escow will will join us in a bit today to respond to the Koch brothers study that tried and I don't know, may have succeeded in scamming the corporate media and uh, America last week by declaring that Sanders Medicare for all plan would cost the federal government some thirty two trillion dollars. That's trillion with a T. Now, while that could be true, the report also noted, though not all of the media outlets who covered this report seem to notice, that that $32 trillion is actually a $2 trillion savings over what Americans are paying for health care right now. And uh, by the way, under uh, a Medicare for all style plan, everybody, everybody would be covered under such a plan. We will speak with Mr. Escow. Uh, who represented, um, I'm sorry, who, who responded to uh, to that study in the L.A. Times late last week uh, to that Koch Brothers report. We'll speak with him shortly. That voice you heard was Desi Doyen. Hello, yes, Desi Doyen. I am here You're and ecstatic to hear that Medicare for All would actually be way cheaper than what we're paying now. Yeah, so says those Bernie people. <laughs> so says everybody. Yeah, well, And we'll the Koch brothers. And even the Koch brothers Shocker. say it. That's right. So we'll talk about that. Now, uh, listen, I was not planning. had a bunch of other stuff I was going to cover. Uh, but I, So I didn't want to cover this, this idiocy at all. Uh, frankly, today or ever. But I, I, frankly, I don't want to give it more air than it's already getting. But something happened on Sunday to reinforce just how horrible this really is, or at least how horrible it really could be. We played that clip of Donald Trump at the top of the show there. Uh, I think that was in, was that in Ohio? Oh, that was in uh, Fargo, North uh, Dakota, about um, a month ago. Oh, okay. Well, he's been increasing uh, his, his comments about the media being the enemy of the people. And I will get to what happened on uh, on Sunday that serves as a reminder of the danger that so many in the media and, yes, the progressive media have really always been in, but certainly increasingly so now with the president of the United States talking to his increasingly unhinged and constant political rallies, talking about this, targeting the media uh, not to mention his increasingly unhinged and louder and louder and more persistent Twitter feed. So on Sunday morning, by way of just one example of this, uh, Trump tweeted, quote, the fake news hates me saying that they are the enemy of the people only because they know it's true. He said, I am providing a great service by explaining this to the American people. They purposely cause great division and trust. He's talking about the media here, I guess. They can also cause war. They are very dangerous and sick. 
So the media are purposely dividing this country. They are uh, hope they're trying to cause wars. They are dangerous. They are sick. And that was just one single tweet on Sunday morning. Add that to a whole bunch of them over the past week and the past month and all of his rallies and everything else. Well, in response uh, to all of this, a few hours later, Brian Stelter, the CNN uh, media guy on his Sunday media program, he discussed the rise of these threats of violence against folks in the media in the wake of Trump's increasing rhetorical war uh, in the free press and the free media and uh, f- frankly, against journalists doing the best job that they can successfully or otherwise. And Lord knows we are very critical quite often on this program about the media, the corporate media in particular. Um, so but the media, they are doing their best to cover this insane presidency. Here was some of Stelter's remarks on Sunday, citing a death threat made to him on air by a caller on C-SPAN television on Friday. Attacks on the media are having an effect. Threats against reporters are on the rise. But instead of me just telling you that, I want you to hear it for yourself. On Friday, a caller to C-SPAN said he's going to shoot me and Don Lemon if he sees us. Now let me just preface this by saying, I'm not asking for sympathy. I don't think I'm in extreme danger. I know some of my colleagues get much worse threats than I do. CNN has a great security team and we know how to handle this stuff. And this problem is not confined to CNN. People at Fox News and other outlets have to deal with this garbage too. But these kinds of threats are coming in more often. So take a listen. Here's the phone call. Don, State College, Pennsylvania supports the criticism of the media. Don, you are on the air. Good morning. Morning. Uh, it all it all started when Trump got elected. Brian Stelter and Don Lemon from CNN called Trump supporters all racist. They don't even know us. Okay, let me just stop it right there. I've never called all Trump supporters racists. Neither has Don Lemon. So what this guy is about to say is predicated on a lie. I don't even know these Americans out here, and they're calling us racist because we voted for Trump? Come on, give me a break. They started the war. I see him, I'm going to shoot him. Bye. So he says we started a war, so if he sees us, he's going to shoot us. So where did the caller get the impression that I called all Trump supporters racist? I don't know, but I do know that the night before on Fox, Sean Hannity played a two-year-old clip of me asking if racial anxiety was a factor in Trump's rise. Obviously, researchers have proven that, yes, racial anxiety and resentment was a factor, but that's not the same as calling all Trump supporters racist. And I don't know if the C-SPAN caller watched Hannity. I'm not blaming Hannity. I just thought the timing was odd. Friday's threatening phone call on C-SPAN is just a tiny illustration of the threats that are out there. Many journalists who cover politics say they are receiving more and more threats nowadays in the Trump era. MSNBC's Katie Turr sounded the alarm earlier this week. I hope you get raped and killed, one person wrote to me just this week. Raped and killed. Not just me, but a couple of my female colleagues as well. And in case you want to argue that this has nothing to do with the president, the most recent note I got ended with MAGA. Of course, there's always been unhinged people in the world, but journalists are concerned now. As as Brett Stevens wrote in the New York Times on Saturday, journalists are concerned we are approaching a day when blood on the newsroom floor 
will be blood on the president's hands. I hope he is wrong. That was Brian Stelter on uh, on CNN on Sunday. I am, of course, glad to hear that Stelter and uh, the other folks in the mainstream corporate media who uh, Trump has been directly targeting with his attacks, citing them as enemies of the people. I am glad that uh, he feels adequately protected and secure in this atmosphere. He says that uh, CNN has a good security team and so forth. Well, not all of us, of course, can afford that kind of uh, presumably round-the-clock type of security that folks like Brian Stelter and Katie Turr and Don Lemon and uh, Jim Acosta on CNN and others, uh, you know, in that corporate media that they currently have. And I was reminded about that, that while those people may have decent security, there's a lot of us who who, who don't, who are not in the corporate media, who don't have that same kind of uh, security. And I was reminded about that at just a few hours before Trump's uh, that tweet that I read you a few minutes ago. Um, that was from s- about 730 a.m. on Sunday morning. <clears throat> And just a, a few hours before that, though I don't think it was reported until later in the day on Sunday and then uh, here nationally today, just after, or I'm sorry, just before Trump's tweet about the enemy of the people, up in Madison, Wisconsin, according to Madison.com today, a shooting Inside the WORTFM radio station in downtown Madison early on Sunday, left a disc jockey with what thankfully has turned out to be a non-life-threatening injury. But around 3 a.m., a masked shooter entered the progressive radio station, WORT, which is a longtime Pacifica Radio Network affiliate, and opened fire on three volunteer radio hosts in the station's studio. As the three uh, fled the room to take cover, according to David Devereux Weber, he's the president of WORT's board of directors. Devereux Weber said a person entered the station, went into the studio and fired a number of shots. The hosts ducked and ran into the master control room and from there into our music library and, and hid from the shooter. Madison police spokesman Howard Payne said the disc jockey, who is a 33-year-old man, had a a non-life-threatening gunshot wound and was taken to a hospital. Payne said the shooting was not random and there was no risk to the public. Don't yet know what that means. Police are still searching for the shooter and did not speculate on a motive for the shooting. On Sunday afternoon, as show tunes were playing on WORT's airwaves, Deborah Weber, uh, Weber pointed out, where one bullet had penetrated two panes of glass oh separating the uh, the master control room. Yeah, you know what That's, that looks yes, like, right? Yes, those soundproof I do. glass. Yes, yes, those uh, those that soundproof glass. I had hoped that it would be uh, yeah be stronger than that. Yeah, no, it it's not bulletproof. It went right through those uh, both of those panes in uh, from the master control room. Uh, where the host had fled, two other bullet holes could be seen in some of the sound dampening material on the studio walls. Deborah Weber said that any motive is unclear since the shooter did not speak. He said three volunteers uh, took shelter behind a refrigerator in the library that contains hundreds of vinyl albums and called uh, 911 from a landline phone that was next to the fridge. The shooting left them, he says, quite shaken up, I can imagine. 
It sort of breaks your sense of safety when this happens, he said. I think it's going to bring the volunteers of the station closer together. WORT was transitioning between uh, two programs when the shooter came in. Apparently, two of the hosts in the studio were wrapping up their midnight music program. The third host came in to start the uh, 3 a.m. show for the day at WORT. Uh, according to Devereaux Weber, uh, who was one of the founders of the listener-supported radio station that broadcasts on 89.9 FM in Madison, where they have been broadcasting a mix of uh, music and progressive news programs since 1975, uh, like many of our Pacifica radio affiliate uh, stations around the country. So uh, the person was wearing a mask and a hoodie and did not speak. Uh, before firing these five gunshots, music was playing on air at the time, the, so the microphones were turn off, turned off, so the gunshots were not heard by listeners. But once that particular loop of music was uh, wrapped up, the station then went silent because everybody had, you know, r- ran for Fled. cover. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then the police came and didn't did not allow volunteers back in the station until uh, they went back on the air around 938 a.m. So they were down for about six and a half hours. Um, the support from the community, I'm told, has been excellent. Um, this uh, WORT first hit the airwaves, according to Madison.com, back in 1975. It's a nonprofit radio station relying on hundreds of volunteers to host music programs, produce shows, report on local news and, and other tasks. And the Madison Police Department's violent crime unit is investigating the shooting. Anyone with information is asked to call the uh, Madison area Crime Stoppers at 608-266-6014. Um, but we, so we don't yet know the motive, and it may have absolutely nothing to do with any of this. But, you know, when I saw this story, when I read this story, you know, a lot of stuff came back to me uh, and hearing at the same time the president targeting people in the media as um, enemies of the people. Now, uh, WORT airs a lot of different programs, news and public affairs programs. Uh, in addition to their locally produced music programs, they also carry shows like Democracy Now! and the BBC World Service for listeners in Madison, uh, as do many of the stations that also carry the broadcast. I don't believe they do carry us at WORT, but I could not uh, confirm that because I couldn't get to their programming schedule at their website. It looks like the website was getting hit so hard um, that n- nobody was able to get through uh, over the past few hours. So working from their Wikipedia entry, however, they also carry shows like uh, In Our Backyard, which is alternative local and state news, uh, On Nuestro uh, Patio, lo- which is uh, local, national, and international news in Spanish, Labor Radio about working people, uh, a show affecting Madison's LGBT community, uh, a show on science uh, news and features, a show about women, uh, a show about uh, third world news from a left perspective, uh, a show about a vastly uh, varied population of Arabs around Minnesota and the world, uh, Wisconsin and the world. Or the kind so, of the kind of yeah. programming that you will not get on any corporate owned commercial Correct. station ever. But you will get it on these Pacifica stations that are all over the country. They're smaller stations. They're run by volunteers. 
and so, you know, even in a world where the president of the United States is not on a daily basis repeatedly describing the media as the enemy of the people, one could see how stations like WORT and, yes, our flagship station here in Los Angeles, the community-supported KPFK, could easily be targeted in and have been targeted in the best of times, much less with the president of the United States going out there calling the media the enemy of the people. So, like I said, we don't know the motive here. It may have nothing to do with politics whatsoever, but this is a reminder that, you know, progressive media, along with all of the media now, has long been under fire, both literally and figuratively. I was as I was looking into the story um, about one of our sister Pacifica network stations, I was reminded about KPFT down in Houston, the uh, Pacifica owned affiliate down there where years ago, as I was sort of drafted into all of this, let's call it a business. I had done a, uh, a week of shows out of KPFT in Houston. Um uh, which uh, is, like I say, owned by Pacifica, along with uh, KPFK here in L.A., KPFA up in Berkeley, WBAI in New York City. And KPFT had actually been bombed twice, not long after they began broadcasting decades ago. Again, this is from their Wikipedia description for KPFT Houston, but uh, the uh, station's transmitter was bombed and destroyed on May 12, 1970, just two months after going on air. The new station was off the air for three weeks at the time until it was repaired. Uh, and then five months later, as the station was broadcasting Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant way back in 1970, the classic anti-draft, anti-Vietnam War rant slash song, uh, the transmitter was bombed yet again, and the damage was even worse, worse, and they were off the air for three months. No other U.S. radio station or transmitter has ever been bombed. When they came back on the air, by the way, uh, they invited Guthrie into the uh, studios uh, himself to perform Alice's Restaurant live as they began uh, transmitting again. Uh, there was very little investigation by the FBI or local police. And finally, uh, after pressure, again, by the community, federal agents ultimately got to work and they discovered that uh, that transmitter was uh, targeted by a member of the Ku Klux Klan. He was charged. He was uh, thrown in jail for plotting to blow up. Uh, radio stations, not just the transmitter in, K in Houston at KPFT, but KPFA up in Berkeley and KPFK right here in Los Angeles, which he was planning to target as well. So and, and of course, that wasn't the only uh, violence that uh, KPFT has faced uh, in the early morning hours of uh, 2007. A bullet was fired into the studios in 2008. A man demanded access to KPFT studios and uh, broke a window pane with a knife. So, again, that is all when the president of the United States is not day in and day out describing reporters covering things he doesn't like as the number one threat to the United States. The broadcast is, uh, yes, also a community-supported radio. You are that community, and we often ask for your support at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Thanks to those who have, who have uh, done that. But this is a, just a reminder that the station or uh, service that you are now listening to us on is also most likely community listener-supported. Support for those outlets are more important now than ever, so please take some time 
to support those outlets, uh, whatever progressive outlets uh, you, you know you may be listening to us on right now, whether it's with a financial donation or volunteering to help them or even just sharing their Twitter or Facebook feed. This stuff matters. And I, I don't know you know, that I've ever heard of a right-wing corporate station facing these kind of very real threats. Most of those stations, or at least the ones that I've dealt with, are in, you know, high-rises with 24-7 security uh, anyway now. But this is serious, and this deserves attention from all of us, and um, it ain't funny, and it is very troubling. And so I ask you to stand up and support outlets uh, like the Pacifica affiliate near you um, and keep working like hell to do something about this president of the United States who would declare a free press the enemy of the people. All right, quick break, and we're back to some actual policy and stuff after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Do you really want to hurt me? Do you really want to make me cry? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. One of the stories I won't have time to go into is the 92-year-old man who was attacked with a brick and told to go back to his country. And this was out here in California, in Los Angeles, or uh, the man today, who uh, the Sikh man who was attacked while posting signs for a Republican candidate, also out here in California. So if that's going on, uh, just imagine, uh, <laughs> you know, with the president day in and day out uh, calling for calling the media uh, enemy of the people. Anyway, okay. Don't get dragged into that. Four cities filed a lawsuit last week accusing the Trump administration of violating the Take Care Clause of the Constitution and the Administrative Procedure Act by chipping away at the Affordable Care Act in ways that have depressed health insurance enrollment and driven up costs for both individuals and taxpayers. Now, the Take Care Clause is the part of the Constitution that mandates that the president must, quote, take care that the laws be faithfully executed. This is a duty for the president of the United States to enforce the laws of the United States, which uh, many now, including these four cities, are arguing that Donald Trump is not doing by purposely uh, trying to undermine the existing Affordable Care Act or Obamacare in a number of ways. Whether he likes that existing law or not, it is duly passed by Congress and signed by the previous president. He can't simply undermine it as he is, as he has been uh, clearly trying to do, uh, at least not in an unlawful manner. And that's what uh, this complaint cites from the uh, cities of Columbus. Uh, way to go, Columbus. Columbus, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Chicago. They charge that the president 
is using a has a premeditated destruction for parts of the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. They're suing to force the administration to restore the funding that was slashed for outreach and enrollment assistant assistance, extend the 2019 open enrollment period after he had cut it in half last year and uh, steer people towards comprehensive ACA plans and away from the skimpy short-term plans that do not cover pre-existing conditions, according to our friend Alice Olstein over at TPM. Zach Klein, the uh, city attorney for Columbus, the lead plaintiff in the lawsuit, told reporters on Thursday of last week that the Trump administration's cuts to ACA funding and promotion of unregulated health plans that violate the ACA will place a heavy burden on his city's resources. He said it's having a detrimental effect on our families and on our budget already, noting that the city is already spending more on ambulances and free and subsidized clinics and public health programs since the Trump administration has been undermining the ACA. He says usually we uh, recoup a good chunk of those costs by billing insurance companies, but with the number of uninsured people now going up, in Columbus, Ohio, our ability to recoup is hurt. And that's a direct result, he says, of Trump's trying to sabotage the ACA. In the lawsuit, the city cite both uh, the president's open promises to let Obamacare, quote, implode, as well as as his administration's actions to try to make it implode. From the termination of enrollment partnerships with hundreds of local and national groups to ending subsidies to insurers to scuttling efforts by Congress to pass a bill that might stabilize the market that Donald Trump has destabilized, eviscerating the budget for outreach and in-person assisters and so forth. Adam Grog, an attorney with the watchdog Democracy Forward, uh, says while he has uh, some discretion to effectuate the purposes of the ACA, that discretion does not extend to what he has done here. He can't do these things that are contrary to the letter of the law or the spirit of the law. But of course, he's doing them anyway. And that's with the existing health care law, which now helps some 20 to 30 million more Americans have access to health care than had it prior to the 2010 law. But what about a future law that actually covers everyone, a Medicare for all style universal system that folks like Bernie Sanders and now many Democratic contenders for 2020 are calling for? Given the controversy over the Affordable Care Act, can an even more government-regulated system possibly pass and be by a by a U.S. Congress and be signed by a U.S. president and then succeed in this country? Well, of course, if it is up to the right-wing funded think tanks, that will never happen. But if it is up to we, the people of this nation, and by the way, to the realities of math... Supporters of Medicare for all say, yes, of course it can and it should happen and it would save save the country money, despite the misinformation being tossed out by groups like the Koch brothers and the corporate media who too often simply parrot what the right wingers have to say about all of this. Former insurance in industry executive turned progressive media champion Richard R.J. Esco joins us next on the broadcast to discuss it. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> 
Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Boy, indeed. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. If you read the news uh, today, yesterday, last week, you could be confused. Last week, the movement towards what seems to be an inevitable move to some form of single-payer universal health care system, which some describe as a Medicare-for-all type system, found a strange new accidental ally. The Koch brothers. It wasn't meant to be that way from all reports. In fact, the anti-universal health care movement got uh, a pretty big helping hand uh, when the Associated Press and others used the headline of a new report by a Koch brothers funded right wing policy think tank called the Mercatus Center. Uh, to lead their coverage. That headline, quote, Medicare for all plan would cost federal government $32 trillion. That's what the new report and many of the articles that covered it bellowed. But in fact, the right wing reports headline was, to say the least, misleading, which my guest will explain momentarily. Writing at the L.A. Times late last week, Richard Escow, a former insurance industry executive, wrote, Years ago, I was asked to advise one of the country's most powerful CEOs on his corporation's health and benefits plan. In a meeting with staffers, he raised one confusing and complicated idea after another. When I asked what he was trying to accomplish for his employees, he said, quote, I want to give them less and make them think it's more. Richard goes on to write, that's our health care system in a nutshell. This year, he says, according to the Milliman actuarial firm, health care will cost nearly $30,000 for an average American family of four with, with employer-based insurance. The family will shoulder some $12,000 of that cost directly through premium payments, co-payments, and deductibles. It will also lose income since these rising costs will prevent employers from paying higher wages. The individual health insurance market, that would be, for example, folks uh, using the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, is even more expensive, he writes, with a baffling maze of options and unpredictable costs. Fortunately, notes, uh, notes Richard, the political tide is turning. Most Americans now support the concept of Medicare for All, a comprehensive government-managed program that builds and expands on the successes of today's very popular Medicare. Sixteen Democratic senators have now signed on to Senator Bernie Sanders's Medicare for All Act, known as M4A. And that, he notes, is a threat to billionaires like Charles and David Koch, the fossil fuel tycoons who have already spent hundreds of millions of dollars undermining support for government at all levels. The Kochs have a clear challenge, he writes. How do you undermine growing support 
for an idea that will improve the health and finances of most Americans. Well, one of those ways, apparently, is by issuing a misleadingly headlined report and then convincing the nation's corporate mainstream media to report on it. At least uh, in the headline, using that misleading information while hoping that nobody actually pays enough attention to notice what the report is actually telling us. Joining us now to tell us what the report is actually telling us, a report, yes, via the Koch brothers, is our old friend Richard R.J. Escow. He is a longtime freelance writer, columnist, and the host and managing editor of The Zero Hour, a weekly radio and TV program. He's a writer, policy analyst, and former insurance executive himself. He was also the senior writer and editor for the Bernie Sanders 2016 presidential campaign. Oh, I remember that. Richard Escow, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Always great to talk to you, Brad. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, all right. So, okay, this uh, Koch-funded right-wing uh, Mercatus Center, I think, how you, I think that's how you say it, they come out with this report, this startling headline that would seem to be a direct hit to folks like you, RJ, and Bernie Sanders. Uh, and now most of the folks thought to be contenders for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination uh, with this headline screaming Medicare for all plan would cost federal government 22. Or, I'm sorry, 32 trillion dollars trillion. Richard, we can't afford that. Uh, but what does this report <laughs> actually tell us that did not make it into many of the headlines covering this Koch brothers funded analysis? Well, first of all, about their headline, that $32 trillion number, I think, yes, it was meant to be misleading and intimidating and scary, but I think it also reflects their ideological bias, which has been a bias of our entire discussion about government spending in general, which is that somehow spending a nickel uh, it, through the government is somehow supposed to be worth worse than spending a dollar mm -hmm. out of your own pocket. You know, people have been talking about Medicare for all the last couple of years, mm -hmm. really, since Bernie's surfaced it as a national issue. And, uh, you know, everybody has said, wow, gee, we can't run on that in the Midwest. My attitude has always been the same. You know, we ran, I ran some initial numbers on it mm -hmm. that basically said you could replace even forgetting the lost wages, $12,000 in out-of-pocket costs, which this report more or less confirms, with maybe, for the average family, $5,000 in taxes. It turns out I was too high. It would be less than that, probably. But uh, So wait, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that number. Let me just repeat that number, because you know, they fly by and people don't understand. You're saying that what is currently being spent by American families or an American of $12,000 would instead be replaced with a payment of $5,000 under a Medicare for All plan? Yeah, let's do the numbers. Let it very briefly. Um, let's say, and basically all of this is directly or indirectly confirmed and certainly not refuted by this right-wing report, which was where they failed. And I want to get mm -hmm. to why they failed in mm -hmm. a bit, but let's go over, uh, you know, since you asked, let's mm -hmm. go over the numbers for a second. By the way, I call it the Mercatus Center, okay. and I call it that because I think they want me to call it the Mercatus Center. <laughs> but um, the, you say Mercatus, I say Mercatus. But... Um, <laughs> Now, uh, let's talk about the numbers for a second. They, uh, they do not refute the fact that the top actuarial firm in the country, uh, which is uh, Milliman, uh, mm -hmm. well, certainly one of the top, 
says issues a health report every year, kind of financial state of the health industry. They say that a family of four with employer-based health insurance. Now that's the those are the lucky ones in our system, right? right I mean, right. those are the ones who are the best off of anybody. Mm-hmm. Family, the average family of four pays nearly thirteen thousand dollars a year in all health care related costs. That includes the premium. A contribution that gets deducted out of your paycheck that includes uh, what you pay in co-payments and deductibles and so on under your health plan that includes uh, you know all your out-of-pocket costs basically mm-hmm. now this is going up way more than inflation because employers are shifting more and more of the cost onto the employees themselves now when we say to, to be clear when we say the average family mm-hmm. of war that would include also the family that has, you know, a medical catastrophe and has to pay, mm-hmm. you know, 50000 or right. something. So it's not like every year you're going to pay 12000 but every year you're probably going to pay well over 7000 in premium contributions alone. Mm-hmm. And remember, you're, you're one of the lucky ones with, quote-unquote, good insurance. Mm-hmm. Now, and you're going to pay something out of pocket. And now under Medicare for All, which would also cover vision, which most people, which almost everybody pays out of pocket, also cover dental, which almost everybody pays out of pocket, you'd have more coverage, better coverage, no copayments and deductibles for your medical. And it turns out, I did the numbers, that family of four would only pay $5,000 in taxes if they're making $75,000. So all of a sudden, you save nearly $3,000 out of the gate, plus you get 100% vision, 100% dental, and 100% medical instead of the patchy coverage you've got now. No restrictions, no utilization review, no getting approval, no picking from a doctor list. You go, and you've got it. So it's a huge improvement, and at an immediate out-of-pocket savings, plus a savings every time you need health care. So, so that, you know, that, the, sounds good. that sounds great, Richard, but it doesn't seem to square with what the Mercatus Mercatus Center uh, has been telling us, that it will cost the federal government $32 trillion to have that wonderful plan you described. Well, think about our family of four. Our family of four right now is paying twelve, thirteen thousand dollars to the private sector. They're paying it most of it to insurance companies, and then they're paying a lot to hospitals, mostly for-profit hospitals. A lot to doctors who, you know, mm-hmm. God bless them, they got to eat. But but that's not the government. So all of a sudden, it, 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 if it goes to the government, the government pays the doctors and hospitals. That five thousand dollars, which is saving them so much, they're not giving nearly eight thousand dollars to the insurance company, but they are giving five thousand to the government. You could say, quote unquote, that that's a five thousand dollar increase in government spending, but the family is getting a great deal. See what the Koch brothers and people uh, who work for them are trying to get us to do is to only think about what the government spends. So, uh, you know, I will go, this is what I've told people who said you can't run on this kind of a program of increased government spending in the Midwest. You shoot me into space and land my space capsule in anywhere in the United States. I will walk to the nearest house and make the pitch for Medicare for All, and I will make the sale. Once I get done telling that family how much they're going to get for how much less money, uh, what 
they're supposed to be upset because they're giving $5,000 to the government instead of $8,000 to an insurance company, and they'll have $3,000 more in their pocket at the end of the year. You think that's going to upset them? Well, I, th- I don't think so. Well, but I think that's the point that, uh, you know, the, the headline was purposely meant to obscure. When they say we're going to, uh, this is going to cost uh, the federal government $32 trillion, that's actually less money, is it not? Uh, and, and I think the report even concedes this. That's actually less money than is being spent currently by Americans, as you say, whether they're giving it to the government or they're giving it to the, uh, to the private health care company. Medicare for All would actually save, I think, some $2 trillion, which is something that didn't make it into many of the headlines uh, that was this report itself even finds. Am I right? You are absolutely right, and I think the answer there is really simple. Uh, The answer is that we've been trained, and unfortunately our politicians and our press have been trained, to be so fearful of tax increases that uh, we've prevented ourselves from doing the right thing and the most efficient thing in a lot of cases. So they, uh, on, the gro- on the larger level, they'll say, oh, my God, $32 trillion. On the personal, on the household level, they say, you know, your taxes are going to go up by thousands of dollars, but they don't tell you about the $13,000 you'll save. So I think that's just been a form of a sort of Jedi mind trick that they've played on us for many years. But this guy who wrote this report unintentionally uh, shot himself in the foot because even though I believe he stacked the deck against Medicare for All by underestimating the savings and overestimating the cost, he still couldn't avoid the conclusion that it would save $2 trillion over 10 years. I think it would save a lot more than that while giving people much better coverage. But even by his standards, mm-hmm. the conservative standards, the right-winger standards, uh, he has to admit it saves money. So now let's get this straight. It saves money. Everybody gets much better health care. The un- all the uninsured get insured. It saves 320,000 lives over the next 10 years. But we don't want to do it. Why? Because we've been brainwashed into thinking paying a nickel in taxes is worse than paying a dollar to some you know, exploitative mm-hmm. health insurance company. Sorry, I don't think you can make that sale anymore. I think people are getting wise to the truth. Well, now, the biggest, I I hope they're getting wise. I don't know if they are, because I think this propaganda is very effective, and people see it's going to cost the federal government $32 trillion, uh, and I don't know that they see much more than that as it comes over their, you know, their Twitter and Facebook feeds, uh, which is why I sort of wanted to underscore this, uh, and... You know, as we saw during the 26th campaign, uh, it, it was sort of a, what I see as one of the biggest falsely reported critiques of, uh, of Medicare for All, of, of the Sanders plan, is that he never explained how it would be paid for. That is quite false, as far as I can tell. Uh, I think he was talking about it all the time, um, so I'm not trying to undermine such plan, but for the record... How would this be paid for, R.J. Escal? Well, exactly the way we say it would be paid for, first of all, in that uh, employers would get a payroll tax, mm-hmm. which in many cases would be less than what they're paying now to give their employees health care. So there would be a payroll tax on employers. There would be 
a premium tax to people, kind of like the tax you pay into Social Security and for Medicare when you retire, of about 4% of income. And that's where I get the $5,000 number and so mm-hmm. on. And, uh, and then there would be the savings that we would definitely get by negotiating drug prices with big pharma or putting them out of business if they don't play along, mm-hmm. by, by negotiating fair and reasonable rates with the doctors and hospitals and other providers. There's a lot of bloat in the system by better fraud detection, better duplicate service detection, and that kind of thing. So uh, that's where it comes from. It's all there. The money is all there. You are absolutely right, Brad, when you say that that was a false you know, a smear against uh, the Sanders plan, and uh, it's a false smear against this one as well. You know, while I was writing this op-ed for the L.A. Times, another study came out about New York State's plan to do single-payer insurance, which from the Rand Corporation, which is not a bunch of lefties, mm-hmm. and and same thing. I mean, they're not like ideologues like the right, like the Merc- Mercatus, but mm-hmm. but the same, finding the same thing, yeah, it would save money. So. Uh, I think it's now irrefutable that we can do it. We can have households save money. We can have we can save money overall. We just have to filter out the the right wing and frankly the centrist spin that's keeping us from from doing what we need to do. And I want to ask you about that centrist spin, but I just want to underscore this this one point because it comes up over and over again. And people who understand this issue, they may say, uh, "Oh yeah, we get it, we understand." But I. Uh, you know, the charge is going to be, whether it's Bernie or any of these other Democrats who adopt uh, or who support such a system, this will raise taxes. This will require new taxes and so forth. And the answer is, yes, it will require new taxes. It will raise taxes, but it will uh, do away with all of the other stuff that we currently have to pay, the premiums, the out-of-pocket stuff, the co-pays, all of that. All of that goes away. So, even though we have raised taxes, we have lowered everything else, we are still paying less under such a plan. If it works, then we would then we are under our current system, whether that's employer based or uh, the Obamacare exchanges. Correct? Absolutely correct. Okay. So now with that in mind and the difficulty that for some reason Democrats seem to have making that case, uh, including Bernie, having a difficult time getting that across, I think, to people. And maybe it's just people in the media. Maybe the voters get it. But uh, I, I noted earlier and you did that all of pretty much all of the folks thought to be Democratic uh, contenders for the 2020 presidential nomination have come aboard for some type of Medicare for all uh, a plan. But has the Democratic Party itself, the establishment yet come on board, Richard? No, in fact, there was a, a very interesting report in The Intercept this week, the other day, about um, uh, Nick Sergi was one of the authors, uh, about how uh, lobbyist money is pre- preventing a lot of Democrats from signing on to this health care lobbying money. So, no, the Democratic establishment has not come on board, and some of the centrist think tanks are very hard at work right now trying to get come up with faux Medicare for all plans that mm-hmm. aren't Medicare for all so that everybody can say they're for Medicare for all, but they're really going back mm-hmm. to something that is much less than that. And you're seeing, you know, Medicare for everyone, Medicare for all plus, and they're all 
they're not Medicare for all. So, no, I don't think the party is on board with it. And I think we've also, our press has been uh, brainwashed, a large percentage of them, to uh, to believe what you just described. Oh, my God, our taxes are going to go up. Mm-hmm. Instead of overall, this is going to be better for everyone. We'll be healthy. You know what, frankly, even if it didn't save $2 trillion over 10 years, but I knew it was going to save uh, 320,000 lives and make mm-hmm. tens of millions of people healthier and better off, I'd be for it anyway. But... But the fact is that we have a, a press corps that has been trained to think higher tax is horrible, even if it saves most families money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're up against that. The classic for me was that one of the mainstream reporters for, I can't remember if it was the Times or, or, or where, uh, tweeted out, spending $32 million Oh, so spending thirty-two trillion, trillion to save to save two trillion. Uh, does that re- that doesn't make sense? <laughs> well, that's actually financial illiteracy <laughs> to say it doesn't make sense to save two trillion. I mean, he literally it's an it's a nonsensical statement. But that's how brainwashed people have become when it comes to government spending. If yep. I'm buying a car and someone offers me a uh, you know, a two percent, you know, twenty percent discount. Yeah, well, I got to still pay eighty percent. It's a good deal. Take it. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, yeah, it, and, and it's, it's kind of maddening. And you know, everything is flying by. We have so little time these days. Uh, you know, to cover things like actual policy. Because in so many cases, as I've argued over and over again, we are in the midst of a national emergency. Uh, this Donald Trump administration and the Republicans that support uh, him, I think, have you know plunged us into a national emergency. We have to focus. We have to do something to somehow put the brakes on things, as far as I'm concerned, this November. Uh, by at least flipping one or both of the houses. Uh, So, you know, we're spending a lot of time on politics and not looking at policy. Um, But this policy stuff is still there. This division within the Democratic Party itself is still there. Uh, I know, uh, RJ, you spent time uh, at the uh, Netroots recently uh, over the past few days down in uh, down in New Orleans. Um, Is this as you see it? And this is sort of our exit question here, I think. The idea that you've got these lobbyists who are still working on the Democrats and the centrists. Is this, as you see it, a good reason, as many argue, to abandon the Democrats altogether? Or is this a reason to keep pushing the Democrats, as I've argued in any event, to do the right thing and to come around to the right position rather than walk away entirely? Well, you know, I'm still, after having been a registered independent for many years, mm-hmm. I still hold the same viewpoint I've always hold, held, which is that I support the creation of a, a new left-wing populist party that most people's, uh, the, uh, whose policies most people would support, and I think that party is called the Democratic Party. I, I believe in... Uh, what I lovingly call a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party uh, from the forces that control it right now to people who will push for the policies that people want. Most people want Medicare for all. Most people want an end to endless cycles of war and a cut in defense spending. Most people want Social Security expanded. So I want a new Democratic Party that supports all of those things. And interestingly enough, according to polling, Harvard-Harris poll, most Democrats want that too. 
Richard R.J. Escow, uh, host of the Zero Hour uh, broadcast on uh, video and uh, and uh, radio, I believe. You can find that work at thisisthezerohour.com. You can find him on Twitter at R.J. Escow. And, of course, from time to time in the L.A. Times, his latest op-ed there, the Koch's Help uh, the Kochs helped fund an attack on Medicare for All. It still concluded the plan would save us trillions. I will link to that op-ed. Uh, Richard, my friend, always great uh, catching up with you, and let's do it sooner in the future if we can. You got it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, brother. Okay, we got to get out, but I see, Des, you have been uh, chomping at the bit over there as I've been speaking with RJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So not only is it great that it would actually cost us all collectively $2 trillion or more less, less than the Koch brothers' report on what we have today, what we're paying for today, but it would also include vision and it would also include dental because, hey, guess what? It turns out your eyes and your mouth are part of your body and part of your health care. Radical lefty communist Desi Doyen. Thank you very much for that, Des. I appreciate it. And of course, uh, to uh, our friend Richard as well, and to all of you for spending a portion of our day, your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I'd also love to hear from you via the Facebooks and the Twitters at the brad blog where i hope you will uh, share our work far and wide and of course my thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves but we could not do it without your help at bradblog.com slash donate all right i think that's it until we meet again tomorrow i hope I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.